Hi, I'm Michael Radigan. Uh, this is Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference. I'm with my co-host, Catherine Silverman. Uh, you can be at Mikey Rack. You can follow Kat at Kat M. Silverman. And you can follow the podcast at Three Cheers for Goal One, uh, number three and number one. And you can follow our wonderful producer, Maxwell Spar at Maxwell Spar. Uh, it's been a while since we've recorded, probably like almost a month. Uh, a lot's happened, a lot hasn't happened. Um, Kat, how are you? I'm surviving. <laughs> yeah. Like you, like you said, it's been it's been like a month since we recorded. We uh, we took a brief break. We recorded with the incredible uh, Allie Morse of the NWHL. Things were fun. They were peppy, and then the. 2020 u.s presidential election happened and uh i looked at my i have a fitbit right and i looked at my sleep data for that week with all the doom scrolling like watching these states put in their counts at three o'clock in the morning i got 16 hours of sleep from tuesday through saturday oh i i think i might uh, yeah Yes, that I think I. Got <laughs> I also didn't eat like very much either. It was very uh, nerve wracking, and it's. I mean, it's. I don't want to divulge into you know that the whole thing. It's thankfully it's over, but it's kind of not over. But um, thankfully it is, and uh, I mean whatever. I'm very happy that Joe Biden won, and so uh, hopefully we can you know start getting back on track in terms of. Uh, you know, handling this virus, which uh, is going to be a big part of our conversation with all what's going around uh, every hockey league professional amateur that we'll talk about. But uh, yes, I was very happy with the results. Uh, Your state came up pretty big, Arizona. So that was nice. Yeah, that was, uh, I'm pretty sure that I, I was texting you. I know I was texting in my, in my family's group chat. Uh, For, for our listeners who don't know, I have uh, I have younger twin brothers who live in Chicago and then in Austin, Texas. And then my parents live in, in Houston. My mom, my dad's family's from Chicago. My mom's is from Canada. So we're from kind of all over. And so some of us were voting in Illinois, some were voting in Texas, some were voting in Arizona. And uh, we were all just like watching the results pour in. And I was telling them, I was like, guys, based on the data so far, it looks like Arizona like, it looks like we did the damn thing. It looks like we flipped it blue. And my brother had, like, the biggest meltdown. He was like, don't say it. If you say it now, it's going to flip around on us. We're going to be disappointed. We're going to be heartbroken. And uh, he's like, I can't I can't have you predict- predicting it this early. Um, but we did. We came through. And uh, not only did we come through with Biden, but we also, for a second consecutive general election, um, did not vote Martha McSally. And you can't spell McSally without two L's. She has now lost both of her senatorial races, which is yeah, kind of wonderful. <laughs> is, that, is your brother that said that, is that the one that lives in Texas? No, it's the one who lives in Illinois. Um, the one who lives in Texas was being kind of chill. And the one who lives in Illinois was super nervous about it because he's a... Uh, 
he's been really trying to be super active with, with our family members and with some of his friends back in Texas with just sharing correct information and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was super nervous that Arizona wasn't going to pull through. Um, and it, it was kind of close, but just, just a couple hours ago here on Twitter, Arizona had members of all three parties, including Kelly Ward. She's a, she's a member of our, I believe it's our state Congress and she's kind of a controversial, more, more conservative political figure. She was in the room while they were sort of while they were, you know, looking at the the results, um, they've now been double checked. They've been audited. They came back a hundred percent clean. Um, and so, based on state law, we will not certify our result until November thirtieth, I believe, because it's like I think the Monday, three Mondays after the election, or something crazy like that. But whatever day it is, it's not that we're still waiting on it. It's just that's when state law will certify it. So Arizona has been certified and Joe Biden won. So. Yeah, no, that's, I was going to say, I wouldn't be surprised if I was your brother from Texas, because I feel like almost, you know, every election season, it's like, oh, Texas is, you know, it's, it's purple, it's going to go blue. And then it just never happens. Um, it's been getting closer and closer, though. It, I, I know it, Texas got closer once again, which was kind of nice. It did, yeah, because it, yeah. Um, so that was that was good. Um, happy with the results. Um, there's some. There's been great vaccine news. Uh, yes. Very promising that there's going to be two different companies are going to come out with vaccines uh, towards the end of the year, and then it'll be available to the public, uh, sounds like in the spring, and the both have been, you know, great percentage rate in terms of effectiveness. So that's really good. It's it's just going to be about getting through the next three months, which are going to be really rough for our country. So that will be tough. And that's going to, again, that's going to have a huge effect on the different uh, hockey leagues, which um, you want to dive into. Well, you want to start off with the NHL? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to just to remind everyone before we officially dive into hockey, um, like Mikey said, uh, winter is going to be kind of rough. It's in a lot of states. It's very hard to spend a lot of time outside. Um, so people are packed into closer quarters. You don't want your windows open because you'll freeze. Um, make sure you get your flu vaccine if that's something that's safe for you. Um, I know that not everybody can. If you can, go ahead and do it. Um, just to, to minimize the severity of the flu season, um, we, I'd like to deal with only one one illness season at a time. Um, just, just make sure that you keep yourself safe and healthy. We only have like 10 listeners. We don't want to drop that to nine or eight. Um, but joking aside, let's, uh, let's dive into the, the leagues. Um, well, let's, let's start at the top. Um, the NHL really hasn't seen much movement in terms of signings or anything like that in the last couple of weeks now that free agency has long passed there's still a couple of players out there but the season itself is what we've really been been seeing a lot of news on um i know that some some info came out mainly at the at the hands of pierre lebrun um january 1st it looks like it's still our target date um it looks like as Mikey predicted, there's there's not really going to be a realistic way to have an 82-game season. Looks like they want 60 or more games. Um, I think 60 is probably going to be the, the final number there. Um, but then we now have some, some potential news on 
talks between the league and the players association, which I I'll, I'll go ahead and quickly read those tweets just so that we have them. Um, Pierre Lebrun said the NHLPA has another executive board call with the 31 player reps scheduled for late afternoon. I believe that was today to update things on negotiations with the NHL in the 21 season. Uh, the board also had a call last Thursday. They've not yet scheduled its next board of governors meeting for the NHL. Um, and he, he put out a three tweet thread here. It says NHL, NHLPA continue to hammer away in daily calls, trying to put together a plan for the 21 season. The 16-player return-to-play committee has convened nearly every day over the past week, but internally not with the NHL. Uh, the NHL and NHLPA communication remains at the higher levels. Um, both sides, as of today, still hope for a January 1st puck drop. In parentheses, he said, we'll see. And the cup awarded by July 15th at the latest, parentheses, hopefully sooner. Um, most of the conversations between both sides have focused on a on 60 plus games all Canadian division remains a thing for obvious reasons um so if there's an early January puck drop that means getting this done by the end of the month um and that would be this month November so we have about a week and change if they're gonna if they're gonna actually pull that off um as we saw in the spring slash summer these things can drag out but the hope is that if there's an agreement it's within the next seven to ten days but we'll see if talks hit a snag or not and then in parentheses he put two dollar signs which leads us to the fact that it's money i believe was it larry brooks who who reported that it sounds like the players association and the nhl are hitting a bit of a snag with their recently yeah. renegotiated cba yeah so yeah um my fear i do speaking of dragging out like i don't want uh to happen to the nhl what happened with mlb this year and how <laughs> how that that should show um I get it though. Like it's, um, I, I don't know. It, it's going to take, they're going to have to try to meet somewhere in the middle because I guess, you know, these are billionaire owners, so I, I don't really feel bad for them, but, uh, you know, the league is all, the league makes its money from attendance really. Right. It's all gate driven. It's not like the NBA. Right. Where they have this monster, monster TV deal where the, the NBA makes so much off their TV deal where it's, they can survive you know, without fans for a little while, but, um, I, it's, it's a gate driven league. So, uh, it's, I hope it gets hammered out in seven to 10 days or whatever. Cause yeah, if they want a January 1st start date and to start training camp in December and, you know, to have somewhere, you know, they, they want to probably have somewhere from the very least 48 games to the most probably 60. So yeah. Uh, I hope it, they're able to work it out. I can understand why the NHLPA, though, is miffed at that because they just came to an agreement four months ago with this new CBA. And now all of a sudden owners want to kind of renege on it. So I, I get the frustration on players part as well. Having a having been in Arizona when an NHL team watched a deal get reneged on by by a city, um, you'd think that the owners would would be a little more sympathetic. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I like you said, I get it. Um, obviously, there are leagues that are going to be in bigger dire straits um, with the lack of fans and stands. I know that we're we're going to be getting into a little bit of that here in a minute with the ECHL in particular. But um, yeah, I I don't know. It's it. First off, I'd like to just laugh at the fact that um, I believe it was 
Pierre, who was reporting the players that he believes are on that return to play committee. And like 90% of them aren't guys that play anymore. (laughs) Uh, David Backus retire? Is he still on the Bruins? He's still, he's he, still on the he's, Bruins. He's right? now on the Ducks. He's on the Ducks. He got oh, traded to the shit. Ducks. That's, um, that's right. That's right. But he's he's barely in the league anymore. He played 16 games for Boston last year and then like two for Anaheim. Um, Justin yeah. Abdelkader is on it, which I don't understand how he's allowed to make decisions. I I get it from the sense that these are guys who, you know, you look at a guy like uh, – like Max Domi, who's single, doesn't have a family. You look at a guy like potentially, I mean, Taylor Hall has a significant other, but doesn't have a family. These these younger guys who, and especially like the young, young ones, like like Elias Pettersson, uh, Jack Hughes, guys like that, who really don't have family concerns. Um, yeah. Those are the guys who you kind of don't want running the return to play committee because even though they're the ones who would get the most ice time and would be the ones who would have the biggest physical conditioning considerations to make, um, they're not the ones who have family health and safety concerns and the ones who, like a David Backus or just an Abdokater, you know, if you have someone like like the Corpse of Marion Hosta joining the committee, something like that, those are guys who it's not going to impact them from a playing standpoint. It's purely a safety standpoint. So they're the ones who really are able to talk it out and consider it from the mind of being professional hockey players, but without having their own careers to consider when it comes to that. And so I get having that, but it was funny looking at that list. I was like, this is, this is who we chose. Yeah. Uh, there is one you know on that what? list though who is younger and who I think is gonna. I think he's a fantastic voice to have in the room. And that was a uh, what's his name uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs. They had a guy who is on it. I don't know why his name just flew out of my head. So I'm gonna look it up. Um, not Austin Matthews. Zach Hyman. Zach oh. Hyman, I believe, is on the the return to play committee, and he's a younger guy. Uh, but he's the one who, I mean, he writes kids books in his spare time. And so I can see, you know, he's a guy who, from a statistical standpoint, he's been a 20 goal player for each of the last two seasons. He could have potentially been a 30 goal player last year. He had 21 goals in 51 games. Um, so it would impact him if the league started later. Um, but I think he's someone who would have a similarly mature voice to some of the others. So We'll see how that goes. Um, I know that some teams have started small group practicing again at their arenas. Um, the Coyotes, their their physical trainers have been letting players work out in small groups together, like in their garage and stuff with the with the garage door open. So they're basically outside. Um, so they're I know they're all trying to stay in shape and trying to stay morale wise in it but it's it's going to be tough some of these guys haven't especially the guys from ottawa and detroit and la they haven't played in it'll be almost 10 months by the time they hit the ice again they gotta get they gotta start getting back on the ice uh we do have a couple tweets from pierre lebron like uh that he just tweeted a couple minutes ago um so i'll just read them off nhlpa pa board call wrapped up around 6 30 p.m eastern one about two and a half hours no votes taken just a discussion but sources say feeling on the call was the players aren't keen on changing 
salary deferral slash escrow rates from what was already agreed to in June CBA. More discussion needed. And then he followed up that tweet with the NHL views this as a timing issue. The players are only entitled to 50% of HR, HRR. The more the more that they take this year, the more they owe in debt payments in future years, which is true. But the NHLPO factored all those factors when it agreed to the new CBA terms in June. So dot, 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 did he tweet? Uh, it looks like he's typing out another tweet. So I will. Here it is. Uh, bottom line, more discussion ahead for both the NHLPA internally parentheses whether they're not ultimately willing to tweak salary deferral and if so what do they get in return um and more nhl slash nhlpa discussion the clock is ticking and that's actually i think that's a really good point um because based on the last few cbas um the players are only entitled to 50 percent of hockey related revenue which is it's a really tricky balancing act because obviously salaries are set before the season so the salary cap and the salary floor are set before the season starts um and what they've done is they've projected the potential hockey-related revenue each year based on the prior year and the year-to-year growth and inflation rates, ticket rates, return rates for like season ticket holders, stuff like that. So they predict the, the hockey-related revenue and then they use that little bit of escrow. Players put a certain amount into there and then they get X amount of it back based on how it distributes out to being 50-50, where 50% of the revenue goes to the team and the other 50% is distributed in salary. And so right. in theory, they they kept the, the cap flat. Um, they've right. been escalating it each year using that escalator clause. Um, and so players were putting more into escrow and then potentially getting more of it back um, if the revenue hit what the players were hoping it would. Um, Obviously, this year, there's a very real chance that that's not going to happen. So the players, in theory, with their salaries, I, I don't know how that's going to work because the players get it's a 50-50 split. And there's a very real chance that what their salaries add up to is not going to be 50% of the hockey-related revenue. There's a chance it's going to be more than that. And so right. I think it's that's. Like he said, there's there's more discussion needed because if the players keep more of their salary, like if they keep their full salary, like he like he wrote there, they'll basically have to owe it back in debt payments over future years. So they get their full like if I'm oh who signed a million dollar contract? If I'm Mike Smith, I'm making a million dollars this year I would get that full million but then in future years I would owe it back to the team in debt payments and so it's I I don't know how it's gonna work um yeah I don't know I don't uh that's that's far above our pay grade for sure Um, but that is something that they're they're just they're gonna have to figure that out and they're gonna have to like he said they're gonna have to figure it out fast um I don't know I is there some leeway for both sides where they can meet in the middle? I, I don't know. I'm not, uh, I, I can't really give an, <laughs> a well thought out take on this. I, I think you have spoken very well to it, but, uh, yeah, it's gonna, they're gonna have to do it quick. Uh, that's all I know. Um, and you know, you still got, you still got a lot of guys out there that are not signed <laughs> too. 
Yeah, I believe uh, if I if I'm remembering correctly, isn't Mike Hoffman still not signed? Mike Hoffman, a guy that scored thirty over thirty goals last year, is still unsigned. I mean, the flat cap is, uh, you know, it's causing a lot of issues for a majority of the league, a lot of teams, um, and you know, he's still got a lot of RFA's uh, strict free agents unsigned too. So, uh, yeah, if you look at it, the top based on their their contracts from last year. Um, Mike Hoffman is still unsigned. Michael Granlund still unsigned. I didn't realize that he was still unsigned. That's wild to me. He's good. Um, those are good players. <laughs> yeah, those are really good players. Um, Corey Schneider, who was reportedly headed to the New York Islanders, that hasn't happened yet. That that contract hasn't officially been signed and submitted to the league. So, so, that, so what's happening with that is I think they have probably Corey Schneider, guys like Corey Schneider, Andy Green, and Matt Martin, have verbal agreements with Lou Lamorello saying like, okay, we'll come back. Uh, and he, right now he's just trying to get Pollock signed, which he did. And then he's going to have to get Barzell signed and they're going to have to figure out how to move a couple contracts out right now. And I think uh, there's been rumors. To bring in some what corpses. That? To bring in some corpses. That's all right. They they're, can do that. Yeah. They're going to have to, you know, well, that's why they traded Devin Taves. They got two second-round picks in return, so I could see them, you know, trying to get rid of Johnny Boychuk's salary and trade him with their the second-round pick they got uh, to free up some cap space. So, you know, they're gonna have to do some maneuvering. So, uh, there's like, some really good names left out there. I'm, I'm taking yeah. a look right now. Um, Andreas Athanasiu still hasn't been re-signed. He he had no no qualifying offer, um, so he's a UFA. I think uh, Connor Sheary, who I know had a down year, but he hasn't been signed. Um, Eric Ella hasn't been signed. Connor Sheary could play in a third line on any team, and he's very fast. Like he's uh, so does Athanasi. What's his name? Uh, he just Athanasi. I didn't even want to try to pronounce it, but he. I mean, yeah. his numbers defensively are really bad, but he's another guy with a ton of speed, and I think maybe in the right system or on the right line or whatever, he can thrive. I mean, and you could probably get those guys at a real bargain now. Uh, I, I think Mike Hoffman is going to end up only signing a year. Um, who else is there? Eric Hall. Who's the wildest one to me? The wildest one left? Anthony Duclair. Oh, he had 40 points in 66 games last year. And he's 20. And he's 25, 26. Yeah, yeah, he's 25. Uh, 66 games, all for the Ottawa Senators, who were barely an NHL team. He had 23 goals. Far and away, one of their best players. Um, I know he's had some. There have been some, not not rumors, but there's been questions about his work ethic. And at this point, we don't know how much of that is is speculation, and how much of it is GMs just, you know, they decide they don't like a certain personality of player, um, and so they move on from them too quickly. Um, but he he's representing himself. And he that's 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 really tricky because he deserves money. He is very clearly a talented player. He is not a dirtbag. Um, you know, it's not like he's not being signed because he's done something. He no, just he, he deserves more money than I think a lot of teams are. If they're not signing Mike Hoffman, they're not signing him. And I think yeah. he's holding out in hopes that he'll find money. If I were him, like my my spicy take of the day, if I were him, I'd go to Europe this year. I'd go find maybe in Germany, um, 
a lot of a lot of good players are going to Germany right now. Um, potentially Sweden or Finland. Uh, Sweden's. I, I know we were going to get into that in a little bit here. I know that Sweden's starting to see some struggles with their cases. Um, Finland's been having a little bit of trouble up and down the KHL. Who knows what the fuck's going on there? Um, but there are other leagues that he could theoretically sign and make some good money. I and I hope. For- I hope he doesn't. I, I really like his game, and I'd like to see him play in the NHL. I, I understand that would probably be good for him if he could make that money and just, like, maybe come back next year. Maybe Mike, Mike Hoffman's a little older, too, though, isn't he? Isn't he, like, 30? So like Not, not old, old, though. He's, no. Still, if he's, he's still, 30, yeah, he's 30. No, 30. that's Mike Condon. That's a lie. He's, he's, he's 32. Mike Hoffman's he, 32. He's, he's, still, he's, he's 30 old. as well. He's thirty as well. He's he's oh, thirty. Sorry, gotcha. Um, but I I would, and I, I would really like to, to see Anthony Duclair in the NHL. I, I he's a guy I would like, uh, like my team to have the Islanders. Like I think he would fit perfect on that team. Uh, I think he would be good on a lot of teams. I think he you know, and he he's a guy you could put on the power play as well. And he was an All Star last year. So I, I, I think, think this is- some of the biggest issues is that we have like i'm looking right now at the projected cap hits for teams the upper limit is 81.5 million we currently have one two three four five six seven eight nine teams that are over it the team that's leading right now is the arizona coyotes um they have the highest cap hit for next year they are almost three million over the cap um and they're a team that i know they've they've decided that they're a team that's going to spend to the cap and I love that and it's wonderful but they may have to shed more than just that three million right there they may have to shed a little more than that just to remain solvent next year um because they're a team that was relying on they don't have a nest egg uh from prior seasons they had one season at this point where they had really good attendance um in the last five or so years and so they potentially would need to shed a little bit of money. Um, Toronto needs to shed money. Vancouver needs to shed money. The Capitals Everyone. are going to need to shed money. <laughs> and so does. there are all these other teams that, in theory, uh, they would like a Mike Hoffman or an Anthony Duclair. They'd probably also like uh, some of the players that these other teams are going to have to get rid of. And so I think that there's this holding pattern where they're saying, hey, um, you need to resign more of your guys. Uh, you don't have the space for it. Can we take some of your players off your hands? Uh, if not, we're going to go sign this very good free agent. Um, yeah. so sure. I think there's, there's kind of a weird holding pattern here. Uh, yeah, Ottawa just, who did Ottawa sign that I thought it was a very, like, uh, I'm gonna have to look this up. Sorry. Uh, a weird signing or a good signing for them? It was a weird signing, but he, it's a... Uh, I mean, they signed Alex Galchenyuk recently. Not him, because it, it was, a, it was like a pretty solid uh, free agent. Um, hang on, I'm, why can't I remember his name? I'm looking to see, because I know that they, they signed Alex Galchenyuk, and then they brought in Matt Murray via trade. Um And then they brought in Eric Gabranson for whatever reason. Um, yeah, it wasn't him. That's going to be a really bad, really, really bad team. 
they got rid of Bobby Ryan too. Crap. Who? Oh, Dadanov. They got Evgeny Dadanov. That was a really good signing. I always forget about him. He had uh, he had a really nice year. He's a good player. Yeah. He, he had 25 goals this year. He had 70 points last year. 65 and 27. Like he is a good player. Um, so yeah, that was a nice that was a nice signing for them. Um, but anyway, yes, it is. Uh, it's there's a lot going on with the league in terms of just front offices not being able to make moves or trades and signings. The players association and the league are going to have to come to an agreement. Whether we're obviously not going to have fans in the stands uh, in any crack capacity, I feel like for most of the regular, what would be most of the regular season in a lot of states uh, and a lot of, and all of Canada. Um, I think gonna- there's, there's a potential that they're not going to be able to have more than, maybe 10% um, just because we're not seeing more than that in football right now. And that's outside. Yeah, no. So, so, it's, so I would, it's amazing to think that, that people think we're going to be able to have fans not a chance. in the arenas. And I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to be in, in the arena. Sure. I'd love to be able to watch a live game, but I don't know how realistically they're going to be able to do it. Or safe. Yeah. And, uh, because, you know, it's enclosed. I mean, I think basketball, the NBA is expecting to do fans at some point, uh, but not a lot. I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't see the point. It, it seems like maybe in, like, April, the NHL, when, like, the playoffs start, like, April, once, you know, there's a vaccine out there, maybe you could, you know, we could start having fans back in stadiums in May and June when, like, the playoffs are in full swing. Um, hopefully that could happen and they can make some money the league can make some money off of that and it would be safe for everyone to go and enjoy playoff hockey. But during the regular season, I do not, I do not see that happening or it being safe. Um, so a lot's going on with the league. Do you want to talk the stupid reverse retro jerseys now, or do you want to wait? Wow, stupid. That's, that's spicy. I think we should break up a little bit of our, our talk about, um, about yeah, the we'll, league starts um, by talking about the reverse retro jerseys, which sure. first okay. off, um, do you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, you know what? I'll let you go first and then I'll explain why you're wrong. It's uh, okay. No, I'm sorry. My team had a lame, the Islanders had a really lame. Well, so my team, you're correct. Just, you're correct. Yeah. I'm an Islanders and Sharks fan. So uh, <laughs> the Islanders had a lame reverse retro. I like the Sharks. Uh, I would buy an Evgeny Nabokov reverse retro Sharks jersey. Um, I liked the, I really liked, my favorite was probably the Coyotes. It was really cool. Uh, I liked the Flames. Um, I don't know. It was like, I, I'm just I, seeing everyone like rank them and stuff and like people, uh, it was just, it was a little much for me. <laughs> like, who cares? They're just, why, why do we have to, I think I'm just salty because Islanders didn't bring back the fishermen, but. I think that's perfectly fair because I don't, I don't understand why they didn't bring it back. They're, okay, uh, so this is they're the one reason. of the few teams that, that made me angry with their refusal to bring back something great. So, so explain their, their reasoning, which is probably so, going to be wrong. 
No, this is this is absolutely probably first of all, they sell fishermen uh gear already in like the pro shops on the team like I'm gonna ask Kate to buy me a fisherman jersey this Christmas. So like you can still go buy a fisherman jersey if you want to. Um I guess the perp the purpose, which it do- it kind of doesn't really make sense, but the fisherman was so widely panned in the nineties, it was only around for a year. Like the league made them like get rid of it basically because it, it it sold so poorly, and the nineties were such an abysmal like the all throughout the nineties and even into the early two thousands was such an abysmal time for the Islanders when you think about it. You had a guy buy the team with fake money. He like defrauded the league and bought the Islanders with he didn't have real money and he still was able to own the New York Islanders. So but that, that remains one of my favorite stories, like it's... maybe in sports. So absurd. Then you had Mike Milbury. Like everyone hates seeing Mike Milbury on uh, NBC Sports now and NBC do hockey games. It hurts just a little more for Islander fans because he 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 almost ruined the franchise with some of the trades and signings. And he's just an asshole in general. And you can quote me saying that. Like he's just he's not a good person. And uh, he he has traded future stars in the league and he trade has traded future Hall of Famers like Zidane Chara, Roberto Luongo. So it was really just an abysmal time for the Islanders. So I'm guessing going back they didn't want to go back to that. It's just easier to go back to the dynasty you just do a dynasty esque jersey, which is basically their jersey now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the years they won the cups or whatever. But for so it's a lot of older fans didn't want a fisherman's jersey. If you were like 35 or if you're between like the ages 35 and I don't know, and younger and you grew up in the nineties, like that's when I first became an Islanders fan when I was like, you know, five or six when they had the, my first Islander game was when I was six when they had the fisherman jerseys. Like, yeah. Like I love that Jersey. I don't associate, like I obviously they were really bad, but I don't associate it with that. I just think it's a cool Jersey and like, my my favorite player was Ziggy Palfy, and I'll like my memories of childhood are Ziggy Palfy wearing a, a fisherman jersey. So it was like it was an easy slam dunk for them to bring it back, and they kind of just went, eh, I'm like no, we'll stick with the dynasty. And I think a lot of people think that uh, Lamar- Lou Lamorello, who's not a guy, he's you know he's an old school gruff guy. You're not allowed to, you know, it's like the Yankees. You're not allowed to have facial hair or anything like that. Just went, no, we're just gonna keep it. And I think people think that. But I don't know. It was just a lot of arguing back and forth between Isles Twitter. But it was disappointing. I've gone on a really long tangent about this stupid fucking jersey. I mean, it's fair because so many teams brought back incredibly fun jerseys. Um, some of them did not execute them amazingly. Sure. Um, sure. I think there's some arguments there. But... Uh, yeah, the it it was disappointing not seeing the the fishermen come back. Um, it was even more disappointing not seeing the Kings bring back the Burger King. Um, <laughs> I was on the the Kings like the team itself hosts a podcast, and uh, they had me come on yesterday. And the guy who hosts their podcast, Jesse Cohen, great dude, lets me say whatever I want, so he's automatically like number one in my book. Uh, told me to just let loose and say whatever I thought, and I went on a very long cathartic rant about um, 
the lack of the lack of the Burger King. Um, they could have done that one so well. Wait, uh, the, the Burger King. Um, I can't believe you've never seen the Burger King. I will have oh, to tweet it out. I see uh, it. I saw it. I, yeah, I they had a really, that. really bad jersey. This is not a good jersey. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but do you think that the Coyotes one is good? Like, if we're talking aesthetically pleasing jerseys, maybe three teams came up with an aesthetically pleasing jersey for the reverse retro. That is not what it's about. I understand that. I like the Coyotes jersey because it also, like, it plays for the area that they're from so well with that, like, the little I mean, lizard, it does. The little it lizard does. thing. And it's like, um, it, it, I, I just. I understand just, why they brought that one back. Yeah. Um, because their actual Kachina jersey is iconic. It's classy. And they already wear it every Saturday home game. So bringing it back for the reverse retro would be super lazy. Um, so I get it. But at the same time, they're, the jersey that they modeled the reverse retro after uh, with the giant Kachina head, um, it's culturally representative, which is unique. It's distinct, which is awesome. Um, it's nostalgic, kind of like how you're saying the Fisherman is for you. Um, sure. Our good friend of the podcast, Richie Flores, loves it. Um, might be one of the only people who non-ironically loves it. So I'm happy for him. Um but the purple is kind of a lot, um, and it looks to me a little bit like a roller hockey jersey. Wow. You Although really, not as, not as much out. as the Ducks one. The Ducks one looks like something I would have worn for YMCA roller hockey in oh, 1996. The, that Ducks jersey is absolutely something that like an inline roller hockey team would wear. Like, yes. Yes. An inline YMCA roller hockey team, 100%. Yes. Uh, the only team that absolutely failed the assignment um is the con well pittsburgh kind of fails um the oilers kind of fail the teams that didn't change anything so i guess by virtue technically the islanders fail too um but the canucks fail because number one they brought back gradient which nobody should ever do um and number two they had a chance to do that orange yellow and black chevron jersey yeah and from when we went on that didn't. they yeah. went with their current jersey but added gradient to it which sucks it's so, so bad um yeah I'm, I'm looking at all of them now dallas is dallas is the one is okay okay you want to talk about sucking so bad what the hell the the detroit red wings one was they didn't that's it, another team that failed it's just a white so do you remember those um center ice practice jerseys that teams would wear like it, it looks like a practice jersey that teams would wear in like the early to mid 2000s those center ice like practice jerseys and it's just a white jersey with the red wings it's like that was i think that's the worst one they're the biggest defender yeah. theirs is theirs is lazy it's boring and it's forgettable um i think the blues did us a disservice by not bringing back the trumpet because sure. the trumpet jersey was amazingly bad and like if other teams are bringing back amazing iconic bad jerseys like bring me give me the trumpet along with the burger king and the fisherman um the maple leaf someone needs to check on them because i i don't know which graphic designer brought their kid to work and then like let their kid mess around with the graphic designing software and then somehow got it sent off to print 
Um, but the fact that the M and the N are lowercase and everything else is capital, like it doesn't look artsy. It just looks, it just looks bad. Um, (laughs) You're right. It's not good. It looks like, I was going to say, it looks like a toddler got a hold of like Microsoft Paint or something and is like, this is the Maple Leafs jersey now. I mean, yeah, there is, it was unimpressive. The Canucks, like you mentioned, that's a weird fucking jersey. Uh, Flames looked pretty nice. Capitals. I was- love Blasty. I know. I know. There's some some conflict on on Blasty. I know some people don't like him. I I can't understand not liking him. Uh, he's majestic as fuck. Yeah, he's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> the Bruins bringing. I wait. I I need to get this out. Um, I'm extremely upset that the Bruins number one brought back Meth Poo because he shouldn't ever come back. And pick? number two, they redesigned him so he looks even methier. Yeah, he. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, just the Bruins. So the regular without the patches, what's the what's the bear's name? You said his name. Uh, I called him the Meth Poo. Meth Poo, great. Okay, uh-huh. so it looks like a bear that is like just in one. A little he, melting. He looks like a bear that like if Johnny Depp was a bear during Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, like. <laughs> That's what he would look like. Um, he looks like he the he's you know took a lot of drugs and I it, so it's on the shoulders. But otherwise, I think the Bruins is pretty nice. Besides the horror looking bear, um, Winnipeg was terrible too. I, I'd say Winnipeg and Detroit. Oh, Winnipeg is super ugly. Winnipeg, Somebody said it was the best, and uh, said it was the best. I am trying to remember where I saw somebody had their ranking put out and they had Winnipeg as like, they had the Coyotes and the Ducks as number one and two, which is wrong. Um, and then they had it in the second tier, they had the Winnipeg one and that logo was so good. And then the color they chose for the Jersey is so bad. Yeah. I, it's I, awful. So before we move on, let me, how do you feel about Colorado and what's the other team? Carolina. Colorado. I love it. Love it. Colorado using the Quebec City uh, influence on theirs. Oh, no, they use the logo. They use the. Uh, they did. They use the logo. And they then they also the, use the fleur de lis. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Carolina using just completely going with the. Uh, the art, yeah. The art for well. So you like that. I love it. So, so here's my thing on that. I think we, we've already gone over in depth the fact that the league is not going to make money on ticket revenue this year. Gate revenue, gone. Concessions, gone. Yes. And so there are going to be other ways to make money, right? They're going to have, I'm sure they're going to have some sort of streaming parties or they're going to have raffles or whatever. But having these very cool iconic unique jerseys uh i think it's fun and i think it's this is a good year to come out with a 250 dollars jersey that's going to bring your team in a ton of revenue um i'm not going to fault them for that uh but i think people who are adamantly opposed to using the old like the prior to relocation jerseys are purists and they can get fucked. Like it's it's not that big a deal. It's so really let me, not. Let me ask you because you cover a team that, uh, you know, relocation rumors always swirl around. I am a fan of a team, the Islanders, 
relocation rumors always swirled around as well. Luckily, they're both staying put. But if both one of those teams moved and then, you know, let's say the Islanders ended up moving to uh, Kansas City, which was a rumor for years, and Kansas City had a team, and then for the reverse retro, they used the Islanders jersey. So I'm, what I'm saying is, would you be pissed if you were if you were a Hartford Whalers fan? I guess there can't be that many though anymore, right? Like, and uh, oh, there are. They have them on their license plates in in Connecticut. They okay. love that. So if you're a Hartford Whalers fan, are you pissed about this? I mean, so I wouldn't be, but I also have kind of a kind of a weird relationship with it in that. I've moved around a lot. Um, I've okay. lived in every time zone. Uh, I've lived in multiple different states. So I've watched my teams from afar before. Absolutely. Um, that's nothing new. Uh, if a team relocates, yeah, I'd be, I'd be sad. Um, but then being able to see the team that I loved and that I grew up with, being represented, especially because they didn't screw the jerseys up. If they'd screwed them up, if they'd done something fucky with them, yes, I'd be mad because not only are you like trying to represent our team, but you're doing it poorly. But doing yeah. it in a really cool, respectful way where they very clearly worked hard with their graphic designers and didn't do whatever like whatever the fuck Vancouver and Toronto did. They passed their assignment and it looks good. And so I think that was cool, but okay. that's, maybe that's, maybe that's maybe I'm alone, and I respect that. I'm sure there are people who don't feel that way, but that's that's how I'd look at it if it was done respectfully, which I think in both cases it was. Sure, I can I can definitely uh, res- respect that. I, I don't know how I'd feel. I think both jerseys look pretty cool, but I can understand why if I was from you know Quebec City or whatever or uh, Hartford, I'd be like. A little annoyed, but then again, maybe you're still following the team, so that could be a nice throwback for you and uh, something for you to purchase. Um, okay, so we did our takes on those reverse retros. Diving back into league startups, uh, I guess we'll do ECHL first because that's next. Yeah, one. let's let's sort of roll it here. Uh, so the ECHL is supposed to start in. It's supposed to partially start, I believe, in mid-December. And then, although I don't know if this has changed with this new announcement, um, it was supposed to be that initially a handful of teams would start around December 15th. And then the next wave would be brought in, I believe it was January 1st, um, to finish out the season. That was announced in early November. Um, When they announced that, two teams, the Atlanta Gladiators and the Norfolk Admirals, voluntarily opted out of the entire season um and then today we got an announcement that the entire north division that is the adirondack thunder brampton beast maine mariners newfoundland growlers reading royals and worcester railers they are all opting out now as well so we're left with that's nine of the teams so i think we're left with maybe optimistically i'm very bad at math i think maybe two-thirds of the ECHL at this point, which I guess at this point they can maybe do a bubble, um, which the other one that we're seeing people opt out is college hockey. Um, all of the Ivies you said have opted out, so like Harvard, Cornell, Dartmouth, Yale, Princeton, Brown, Union College, RPI, uh, Vermont's shutting down for, you said it was two weeks or so. Uh, ASU is having to do a 
22 day road trip to start their season so that there's not as much travel to and from Arizona, um, from across the country. Uh, the NCHC is just doing a straight out bubble, which I think we're probably going to end up seeing the ECHL do potentially. Um, Colorado College, I believe you said, is joining the bubble. So these- they're going to be joining the bubble late because they're shutting down athletics for, I think, a couple of weeks. I think Vermont is going a month and then Colorado College is going a couple weeks. So, yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces within college hockey. I mean, I think nine programs have shut down. They're saying we're not going to play this season. And then you had RIT, uh, RIT who shut down but then went back and they're going to play. So it's a lot of interesting, a lot of moving pieces. Um, so I guess diving into the ECHL first. And yeah, that's... That's two-thirds of the league is, is left, right? Or... Or something like that. Yeah. Okay. That is not a league that makes a lot of money, right? Like, I think it's safe to say. So I don't even know how you would do a bubble. It's not like they have the money to set up uh, a a bubble type thing like the NHL was able to. Um, So I I don't know. I I don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, I guess if that's the thing, I think they'd have to, uh, because at this point, I mean, I think part of the reason that they're shutting down is for safety. And then the other part is for, for financial reasons, which we saw a handful of minor league teams. We talked about on an earlier episode overseas. There were teams that financially it just wasn't viable to have a season. Um, I think that at this point having a bubble and having, cause at this point we're, we're going to be seeing a shortened season for the AHL. The ECHL has a severely shrunk, a pool of available roster spots. Um, And so I think the ECHL is probably going to have a higher influx of NHL players Um, and not, not NHL players, but NHL contracted players. So like, like Tyler wall, that's a goaltender who potentially was going to be getting starts in the ECHL. Now that he's gone pro Um, he was supposed to be, I believe with the Worcester Railers that that team just decided not to play. Um, so at least for goaltenders, I think if you're not a goaltender that's signed by an NHL team, you're not playing in North America this year. I, I hate to say that, but I don't think there's going to be room. So I think consolidating it so that they're all playing on just one or two rinks, um, which tremendously lowers that operating cost and then having them on NHL contracts, as many of them as possible, Um that would lower some of those operating costs for the teams that are left and just keep that league solvent for the year. Um, but I don't, I don't know how they're going to do that. And already we're seeing a number of kids have, and not just kids, older players as well have been going over to, to Europe for the start of the season. I know even now there are more and more players that are heading over there as we get news about the OHL as the WHL has had pauses in their season as the QMJHL has had to do bubbles and pauses in their season. Um, We're seeing these, these players go over to Europe. Um, And so I, I just, I don't, I don't know. It's seeing that many teams all opt out at one time. I, I don't know how feasibly they're going to have a successful ECHL season. Um, but if they don't, that's, there are going to be a lot of players who potentially won't play for, oh, assuming the 21-22 season starts on time, they are going to be playing for 
a year and six months. Yeah. And that's going to be really hard. So yeah. I, some I just, I don't, some, I don't some know. careers could probably be over, I would imagine. Oh, I, I'm positive some careers are going to be over. I, there, there are quite a few guys who I think uh, if this season doesn't work out, like those, those guys that are on ECHL only contracts, I think we're going to see a lot of them unfortunately be done. And that's, I, with the full caveat that I understand the safety precautions and I'm not mad at anyone for lockdowns or restrictions because I think they're necessary for the virus. Um, I feel bad for these guys. I feel incredibly bad for them. Yeah. Um, and we're going to kind of, so that's covering the uh, ECHL and then, you know, you mentioned college and we mentioned, you know, those, those teams court, like Cornell was a team that when they shut down last year, I think they were ranked second in the country and they were a favorite to, you know, go to the frozen four and they have a very good team. That's a team that's shut down this year, you know, Brown, uh, Princeton, Dartmouth, all those teams you mentioned, all those Ivies on top of a couple other ones like union and RPI. But what's, what's really going to be a problem now is, um, you're gonna have a lot of kids. All these kids are gonna be can transfer, so you're gonna have so many kids in the tra- in the transfer portal, and there's not gonna be you know teams are full now. You know what I mean? Like programs have kicked off, uh, games have kicked off. We we saw Wisconsin and Notre Dame play uh, this week or last week, excuse me, and then we saw uh, ASU and Michigan play. You know the season started. A lot of these kids are not gonna be able to transfer. A lot of these programs are going to be hurt for a really long time, I feel like, just just by canceling the season. I understand their reasoning. I don't blame them necessarily. Like, they they want to be safe, and I that's important. But I, I understand why it sucks for these kids. I, Absolutely. It's a huge bummer. Um, and there's so many, like... I'm a bit, I went to Merrimack, so I still, you know, I, I follow them and I follow Hockey East pretty regularly. And, you know, they already had, Vermont is already starting late. They're going to miss the first six games of their season or whatever because of their shutting down. So they, you have to reconfigure that whole schedule now. So it's like, it's really, it's going to be really hard. And as you mentioned, ASU traveling across country that like, because they're, you know, there's not a lot of college hockey teams around them, at least with Hockey East, you have, it's, New England, all those states. So it's, you know, a lot of those states you can just drive to. Um, and you, you really don't have to do too many overnight trips. Uh, but yeah, and we, we saw RPI's star goalie. Uh, they lost their star goalie. He transferred to UMass. He decided to go to UMass Lowell now. And so they just, RPI lost their star goalie because they're not playing this year. So it's it's a huge bummer to see all these kids uh, not be able to play this season it, it sucks i i know they're getting an extra year of eligibility obviously but it it's still i i completely understand why a lot of them are upset and i under i understand why schools also are erring on the side of caution too though yeah it's it's tough on not not to both sides but it's tough on both sides uh i don't blame it because yeah, yeah, I don't blame anyone for feeling the way they like. I don't blame the schools for doing what they did. I don't blame the coaches and the players for being upset and pissed. Like, sure, this is this is the worst. Twenty twenty stinks. <laughs> like, uh, but hopefully, it, it, it I will say it was really nice to watch um, 
college hockey this week. Just as a college hockey fan, it was nice to see a couple games, and I'm looking forward to watching more games. Uh, it, it was a little funny seeing, I think, was uh, Wisconsin played in Notre Dame this week, and there was, like, I think, like, 10 people total in the... I think so, yeah. ...stands, and I tweeted... It looked like somebody tweeted that it looked like a... I tweeted that. That, that, that was your... <laughs> I was like, somebody tweeted that. I was my drunk friends to... Uh, I'm like, if I had a hockey game on a Friday night and my friends were out drinking, I would drag them to my game to watch my game. Like, <laughs> it's like exactly playing, what it looked like, though. It looked like an 11:30 at night men's league game with like 10 people or five people in the stands, and it's everyone's girlfriend or significant other like being dragged to the game. And that's probably exactly who it was too. Exactly, um, yeah, for sure. But it's it's a and it's yeah. It, it's a bummer on all. It's a bummer for the ECHL too. It sucks that a lot of guys' professional careers coming to an end. It sucks that a lot of, you know, these kids' collegiate careers can be coming to an end too. And it sucks that a lot of programs are going to be set back for what could be quite a while. It seems like. Yeah, it's a. Uh, even looking at over and I mean, it's a ripple effect, right? We have. Yeah the collegiate careers that are kind of up in the air. We have these ECHL careers that are up in the air. We have the, like we have some kids that are lucky enough to be on NHL contracts. They're being loaned to Germany and to Austria and Finland. And a lot of teams are sending their young guys over overseas. And those, those overseas teams are obviously those contracts are being paid by the NHL teams. Those are, it's a loan situation. So it's more affordable for the European teams that are really trying to keep themselves afloat too. So there are guys over in Europe that are now missing out on spots because a, there are fewer teams available. I know uh, Sweden, that's the country that initially did not do a lockdown. Um, they, they just implemented a new policy. It had been no, no gatherings larger than 50 people for pretty much the entirety of of the, the pandemic so far, they just lowered it to eight. If you have more than eight people, you can't do it. Um, they also are now requiring masks. Um, so so things are changing over there. They only have all Svenskin in the SHL playing. So any of their lower leagues, Division One, Division Two, um, they aren't playing. And then there are all these kids coming over from North America. So guys are losing out on their spots over there too, because European teams would rather take a kid who's being paid by the NHL than have to pay someone themselves. So there are guys that are missing out on spots over there too. Um, it's, it's a tough situation. It's hard. And they're not just the players, but there are coaches that are losing out. There are trainers that are losing out. Um, there yeah, are PR staff and communications and yeah. Social, social media people that run the team social media things like that people that run you know run the team's video and all that stuff and media departments and stuff like that it's it's a ton of jobs which sucks too it's it's a shitty situation all around i think is fair to say right i think that's that's pretty much what what sums it up there um but to to sort of end it on a on a higher note i decided to ask since i we have not gone back on lockdown here. I believe you guys have not either, um, which knock on wood, we won't have to. Um, I know that California is starting to again. A couple other states are starting to. South Dakota's decided that they're just going to implode as a state. So whatever. Um, but for the states that are doing the right thing, um, 
I decided to ask, if you're only allowed to play one song during quarantine, what would you pick? And I'm gonna I'm just gonna go down the list and read these out. Um, I do want to start with the fact that my younger brother, the one who lives in Illinois, um, who responds to me not just on social media but by text maybe twice a year, um, decided to respond to this one with "Lonely" by Akon. Next question. Um, <laughs> so, so that's the Silverman family, guys. Uh, but just sort of going down the list here, you guys had some some good ones, some not so good ones um we got man in the box by allison chains love it uh howlin for you black keys that one was a no-brainer from tim richardson uh that's the coyotes goal song and that makes me sad uh, if you're sitting there listening to the coyotes goal song alone in your house um <laughs> i hope somebody sends you ice cream because because that's a little sad um you said who let the dogs out uh get help um, yes, I did say who let the dogs out as a bit. It was a bit. Um, it was a bit. <laughs> it was a bit. It was a bit. Um, and then I said, I picked a song uh, off of, um, I don't know if it posted, uh, off of Pup's new, al- uh, new EP. The EP name is called This Place Sucks Ass, which I think is like such a perfect EP name or album name for 2020, right? Like, Oh, 100%. And the song, I would highly recommend listening to it. Uh, the song was called Nothing Changes. Also would highly recommend listening to the new Bruce Springsteen album, Letter to You, and watching the documentary on Apple TV. That's my Bruce Springsteen throw for the for the episode. I'm a huge Springsteen fan. So it was between something from that EP and Bruce's new album. So, um, yes. but I love that. Bruce yeah. rocks. Uh Yes, he does. He's the man. He should be president. Um, Moving on, uh, Clay Collins sent Leprous, uh, The Sky is Red. Um, I just want to point out that Clay, uh, if he's listening to this, um, I don't like his music take because he doesn't like my music. Um, He's probably the only person who follows me on Spotify. Uh, I love you, Clay, but um, he follows me specifically so when I go out for a run, he can see what music I'm listening to because it basically shows people a live feed of what they're what the people they follow are listening to, That's and why, he will send me yeah. he'll send me screenshots people of what I'm listening to. Someone I was listening to a Weird Al song once, and someone was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> that's that's basically what he does he waits until i'm listening to something that he wants to make fun of and then yeah, he sends it to me that. so i don't like i don't like when people are like oh i want to follow you on spotify no you don't you want to just no, fucking you, you, you want to make fun of me you want to roast me when i'm listening to x gonna give it to you <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> it's i think the most recent one that he made fun of me for was uh i think i was listening to blueberry yum yum by uh, Ludacris. oh my god and uh yeah, yeah, he wasn't super happy with that. He also made fun of me for listening to In Flames for an entire run straight, uh, followed by Hinder. I don't oh, want to talk about it. Hinder? It's 2020. Are you for real? It's, Hinder? It's 2020. It's 2020. Oh, my. I've gone, okay, I have run 420 miles in 2020. Um, that is a lot of running. I'm not super fast, so that's a lot of time. I've started to run out of patience for my current running playlist. That's so I reached a yep. point where I was just grabbing anything. Like I yep. started with my yep. real running stuff, moved to my other running stuff. And then I was like, fuck it. What has a beat that I can like actually run to without feeling like I'm running in slow motion. And so I, I found some songs. I don't want to talk about it. 
Um, I, I get that. All right, let's he, do a couple more. Okay, we also got Night Moves by Bob Seger. Uh, get help. Um, Jimmy Barnes screaming for 10 hours. That's the best thing I've ever seen. I love that. Um, uh, that's also, <laughs> that's, that's, that's so perfectly encapsula encapsulates uh, 2020. 2020. Um, uh, Maxi. Oh, ahead. yeah, what did Max say? Oh, he said 45. He said 45 by the Gaslight Anthem. Uh, that's Once again, throwing us back to hockey arenas. Yes, yes, that was such a big, so many teams uh, played that song. That's one of me and Max's favorite bands. Um, who else? We have Teenage, uh, Teenage Dirtbag by Celeste, so. Yeah, thank you, Celeste. Um, we got, we got Kygo, um, Marty Bum by the Arctic Monkeys, which, not my favorite song by them, but it's on up there, so that's a good one. Some people took this assignment seriously, and we thank you for it. Um, <laughs> the Full Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf. Um, I understand where Michael Kinkor is coming from with this. Because uh, he says it changes so much, hard to get bored of the song. Um, I'm not a big Meatloaf guy. I don't like so Meatloaf. Meatloaf covers uh, It's All Coming Back to Me Now, that Celine Dion song. Sure. And it's amazing. So He's got that pipes. one I would over Paradise by the Dashboard Light. He's got pipes in Meatloaf. Like, I will admit he that. Does. He does. He's got pipes and he's got, he's got passion. Um, such a psychopath. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a Meatloaf guy. I don't know, but it would be Lizzo. Um, that's fair. A uh, fast car by Tracy Chapman. I I clearly need to check in on Adam for that one. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a downer, right? A little bit. Um, Copperhead Road, which is for our non-country listeners, like that's a pretty solid song. Um, I do not know that one. That'd get me. It's it's a bop. Um, not a Halloween country. sound effects. From that, John Seitzer. Um, that I don't like that. That's too spooky. Too spooky. <laughs> it's too spooky. I'm, I'm, we're not doing spooky on this podcast. <laughs> I did almost get kicked out of work. Uh, I believe it was Tuesday because uh, we put up the Christmas tree at work. It's 2020. We decided to put it up. And my coworker looked at me when we were the only two there. And he said, hey, do you think we'll get in trouble if we put on the Christmas channel now? And I said, yes, but if you put on the YouTube video of 10 hours of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, I'll buy you lunch. And long story short, we got in a little bit of trouble for that. Um, we are not apparently allowed to play that song on loop, uh, which is, I, mean, I think, I think that's communism. But I have, um, I, I have fully leaned into a christmas season as well uh this month like i'm just like fuck it and i've just been playing the, the terrible netflix christmas movies on in the background so, Ooh. Yeah. is there one that we should for our listeners has have any of them been good enough to watch uh people really like this one called jingle jangle um which i have not watched yet there's a good series that came out that i enjoyed called uh i think it's called dash and lily or lily and dash which i oh. i it's based I, off of a book. Their oh, book of dares. Dash and Lily's book of dares. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I enjoyed that. It was it was good. It also kind of made me hate. I forgot I don't like teens and men, like yeah. especially teenagers in Manhattan. Uh, so I'm like, ah, oh, I forgot I don't like you. <laughs> like so, your little, little shits. <laughs> I'm scared to watch that because it has Austin Abrams, who he's like he seems to be the new Noah Centineo, like. Everybody has him in, in their new movies. He's in Chemical Hearts with Lily Reinhardt on Hulu, too. Um, 
But the only thing I'll ever picture him in is he was in this Showtime show called Smilf with a... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, with one of the girls from Blue Mountain State. And so I was like, oh, I loved that show. Uh, I'll watch it. And it's all about her being like a hot mess, 20-something single mom. So I was like, sign me up. And oh, yeah. that's, she, that's she nannies for Tammy Taylor um, <laughs> in like the nice part of Boston. And I don't even remember where they are, but yeah, it's she, Boston. like her son, Tammy Taylor, like whoever that character is her son comes home from college and gets really stoned with the main character and then they have sex on Tammy Taylor's bed and it's like a weirdly he he leans into it being weird teenage sex and does like a very convincing sell job of it (laughs) and I'll never unsee that ever so he can be in Every movie and TV show, sweet ones, rom-coms, he can win 14 Emmys and five Grammys. I don't care. That's the only thing I'll ever see him in. And so I don't know if I can watch him in anything else. Also, um, there was a lot of uh, harassment uh, and misconduct, apparently, how they handled intimate scenes on that show. I'm just reading on the Wikipedia. Uh, so, um, but anyway... Yes, he that is. That would explain it. Um, is in a, but, he is in Dash and Lily, which I enjoyed, and I'm glad you told me this after I watched it, so I was able to enjoy it. Um, yeah. It was, um, so, have you seen The Queen's Gambit though? Oh, that's, that rocked. That was awesome. I, okay. That was that's probably one of my favorite things I watched this year. I think um, I, I loved everything about it. It was really good. It was. Uh, I, I, I would say it was probably top five things I've watched this year because I can't remember what I watched this year and what I watched five years ago um, because it feels like this year has been five years. Exactly what I thought. I, I don't remember what else I watched. I think that's the most... I just remember being really hooked. Uh, I wish I knew how to play chess. Uh, but yeah, it was cool. I really liked it. and I, that um, I'm going to look up her name just because she was really good. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy. Yes, she was awesome. Uh, she was incredible. Um, seeing Dudley Durs- Dudley Dursley have his glow up was a little unexpected. Who's that? Um, from Harry Potter. Uh, oh, you're, ta- you're talking to the wrong. Oh wow, you're a monster. Um, so for our Harry Potter listeners out there, um, the kid who played Dudley Dursley. Uh, has a bit of a glow up. He's not the sexiest character on the show, but he is better than Dudley Dursley, um, and he's a grown up. So, which guy is that on the show? He was. Um, I I'm trying to remember his name. He was a. Uh, he was the one who came and lived with her for a little bit. I that's what I, that's what I thought. Uh, yes, I really um, like that character. He's he was very sweet. He was, uh, but for good for our listeners, you. They also get Thomas Brody Sangster, who they could have had him playing a 17-year-old on the show. He could have been playing a 40-year-old. I'm not sure. And I, I would believe either age. You know he why? He hasn't aged since Love, actually. Oh, I forgot he was, uh, he's in Force Awakens. He had a cameo. Um, he, oh my God, is that the kid that, like, played the drums in Love, actually? Liam, he's, he plays, uh. Yes, Neil, that is him. Neil, Liam Neeson's son? Yes, that is him. 
uh, he looks so you know why he looks old? It's when he wears that hat in that show. He looks way older. He's in his thirties. He is older. When did Love? He was. He, we're the same age. He was thirteen. He does not look thirteen when he's in Love Actually. He doesn't look like he's in his thirties now. That's true. Me and him have aged beautifully. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the whole show's fantastic. Um, it it made me. It made me nostalgic because I played chess a little bit when I was a kid, but it also reminded me why I did not prolifically play chess because I do not have that brain. Sure. Um, watching them think it moves ahead of time, I was like, that's that's not how my brain works. I'm happy that it is how theirs works. Um, but yeah, it was that was a fantastic show. Um, I would say it was one yeah. of the best from quarantine for sure. For all of our... Um... Since you threw out Harry Potter, I'm just say for people, our Star Wars fans that listen, The Mandalorian on Disney Plus has rocked and been really good. Uh, so I've enjoyed that. And yeah, I'm hoping uh, we get to watch some hockey, really, so we don't lose our minds. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, and I yeah. mean, I've been watching the, I'm a Giants fan, so watching the NFL and Cardinals have looked really good. So that's fun for you guys so i am not a cardinals fan um they're dead to me i thought you watched them you don't watch them i'll watch them occasionally if they're on tv um they traded josh rosen ruined his career wrecked his career they can die um but you know what's been fun to watch has been the chicago bears yeah they're just like the jets have been sad like, that's, that's tragic. Nothing about the New York Jets is fun. Um, but the Chicago Bears, who are bad, don't have any semblance of a passable quarterback and still keep squeaking out these fourth quarter wins. Amazing. That's, yeah, they've kind they're of, not going to change anything because fallen, clearly what they have is working. They, well, they've they started out kind of like they want they have five wins. I think they're five and five now. So like that's five more than they deserved. Yes, I I would agree. They're they have a really good defense, and then the quarter their offense is just like what is going on. I watched Mitch Trubisky throw. I think it was a. I think it was in like game two. He threw a pass into the end zone, and it's like his his receiver was wide open in the end zone would have been an easy touchdown and he threw it like in the other direction. Yeah. So it's like he had a stroke and I, I was like, he, oh. I think you benched shortly after that. Um, yes. Speaking of watching things, I do have to go watch the NBA draft to see how uh, my dreams get tr- crushed by whatever the Knicks do. So, I was about to say, are you a Knicks fan? Oh, I'm a huge Knicks fan. Unfortunately. Um, like well, I, I, I think I've said speed. Um, I'm a Yankees, Giants, Islanders, and Knicks fan, so it's it's a it's a bit of a mixed bag there. Uh, but yes, I'm about to, and I always have hope for the Knicks, and they always just like find ways to shit their pants worse than previous years. So it's truly impressive. So on that every note, year, I just think about that that video of Stephen A. Smith. I uh, am having a very bad day. That's I me. am in no mood. That is me. And then he's like, when he's looking out the window, like. I see my godson, Pablo Torre, out there. I love that guy. I don't want to talk to him. I don't even want to look at him. Having a very bad day. 
that's that is absolutely yes so that's like yeah that's me and my friends who grew up next <laughs> um but on that note uh cat you have a we'll talk obviously because we talk every day but you have a wonderful thanksgiving all our listeners have a, have a wonderful thanksgiving please be safe smart and uh with whatever you do please wear a mask so we can watch you know all enjoy watching uh the edmonton oilers crap themselves this winter <laughs> yeah stay safe guys have fun um stay upbeat we're we're getting through this thing 2020 is almost over yeah 2021 is gonna be a lot better and hopefully don't, uh, don't say it ahead of time <laughs> uh, i'm knocking on wood right now i'm knocking on wood yeah and uh yeah maybe we'll be back soon if there's any nhl news Mikey.